Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from Ella's Motorcycle Garage, sunny Santa Cruz. Lovely sunny day today. And um, we have an action-packed show. You'll notice, of course, Liza still isn't here, but I believe this is the last show we will be doing without her. Yeah, and I got a text from her this morning. Oh, you did? I did, yeah. Well, hang on, we're going to come to that. Okay. So let's figure out who is... Who is Don Le Studio this evening? I am Miss Emma. Hello, darlings. It's lovely to be here. <clears throat> On the board, as always, but not boring. Mm. Stumpalicious. It's Stumpy. <laughs> Stumpy John. I like that. Um, it sounds like a candy flavor down at the Mexican store. Oh, it's a candy flavor. Yeah. What, Stumpalicious? <laughs> yeah. Good God. The mind boggles. It's Melissa's favorite t- taste. I'll bet it is. Favorite of Lumberjacks. <laughs> it is the taste that torments Lumberjacks her. and tree taste cutters worldwide. Oh, God almighty. It tastes a sweaty even, Italian. We're not even two minutes <laughs> into this Italian. show yet. Um, however... Sitting next to me on El Classy Girl Couch, it's Doug. I am present. You are present. You are present and uh, accounted for. Tra-la-la. Um, sitting in his usual sport by the open window, <laughs> which is a very smart place to be. Because ne- he farts. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. no, yeah. Naked Jim. Yes. Hey, what's happening? Happy to be here. Oh, I'm happy that you're here too. Peace, love, and dirt bikes. Finally. And by no means leastly, coming to us from his shirk shop in Venetia Blinds, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> live and direct. It is live and direct. <laughs> it's the bagler. Oh, you've locked up again. You know, clearly. It's not me. Yeah, no, it's us. Is it us? Yeah. Oh, no. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Bagel, I, I'm going to turn the video off. Maybe that'll <clears> help. I was about to say some very disparaging things about um, internet connection in rural Oregon, (laughs) and it's internet connection in suburban Santa Cruz that's the problem. (laughs) Yeah, tra-la-la, bagel. So anyway, um, we've got a lovely show um, for you this evening. Let's start off with that. You got a text from Liza. I did. She said... Well, share, share, darling, because we're all all with bated breath. I'm I'm waiting for her never to come back. I think it could be (laughs) I sell the house, sell the bikes, keep the cat. I'm never coming home. (laughs) Well, it's a simple text. She said the trip was over, so they were headed back to Islamabad today. She said they off the 26 band-aids were issued, so they had 26 crashes. Blimey. And uh, no hospital visits, which is good. And five riders tapped out in riding in trucks. Oh, wow. Well, so, wow. Sounds like they had a good time. Not not like, for lack of effort. That's <laughs> exactly. for sure. Pushing it. So I guess she's going to be back midweek. Do we know? I would have thought. Yeah. Um, I don't, I Wasn't mean, she just lecturing you about riding crazy in Pakistan? She was. Yeah, of course. And how many crashes did you guys have? Like five? Well, to be oh, fair. Maybe more. <laughs> you might have more than that. <laughs> well, no. I think no hospitalization is, is telling here. But yes. five yeah. are in the van. Yeah, it's you know those those last couple days are rough, well, especially because when you're headed back into Islamabad, you ride on these roads that are super mm. slick, and you're mm. just by that time you're just and they've been gone for a while. How many? Well, two, it's basically two weeks, weeks on the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So it, well, it wears you out. Eh, good stories, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, and we will probably be devoting one probably two right. shows dedicated to a ride report because Pakistan is like that. Um, so what did we do today? We fixed some bikes. I was sort of absent today. 
You were grinding nuts or something. Oh, well, you no. were polishing knobs all day. I was, I was not polishing. No. It started um, after the donuts. We had donuts, which was lovely this morning. It's always nice when you greet me because when Liza is away, she kind of surreptitiously comes up to me and says, Emma, can you open the garage? As if I would ever say no. Because Liza is quite hard to say no to. She is. She is. She gives you that death stare. Then threatens you with a cat. (laughs) (laughs) Her cat is not happy right now, though. Oh, he's just yelling. Holly is just pissed. Holly is yelling at the top of his lungs. I'm surprised we can't hear him through the door. He's got food and water. Lonely. He's just lonely. Yeah, I think think he's a lonely Holly right now. And I gave him some love, but he's inconsolable. He really is. He really is inconsolable. He just wants to yell at you. Anyway... um, so Liza said, oh, can you run the garage for me while I'm gone? And she said, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Um, and usually I'll show up at about 11 because I'm diligent like that. And not long afterwards, along comes Jim. Yes. On the FC1. Yes, it's up for sale. If anybody wants a great sport bike at a great price. Tell you what, four grand is yeah. an absolute bargain because it's got some miles on it. Yes, it does. But it's been extremely well maintained by yeah. me. Yes, by you exclusively. Um, and it's got some very good oil in it, yeah, very good coolant, mm-hmm. and yeah, about fifty-six thousand miles. It got the yeah. it got the going through. At it about got the going forty-six thousand. Yeah, so. and we put a cam chain tensioner in it, and, um, and God, sorted what else out. Did we well, do? we sorted out the rotor. Oh yes, that's right. And the outrigger bearing. Yeah, but the, yeah, it runs um, like a top. It really does. And I tell you what, you are not going to go quicker for less money. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, how many times have we used the term intoxicating? <laughs> the power of that. It thing. is a fun bike. It's a fun bike to ride, too. It's Absolutely. Yeah, so we'll, we'll price it to sell and off we go. Yeah, and that's it. We can all mm-hmm. move on with it. But it was ours. a lovely start to the day. Good coffee, donuts. How are you getting on with the uh, GSX? Oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the engine um, continues to break in. I've got about 1,800 miles on it now, I think. Um, so the transmission's probably getting a little less clunky. Yes, for sure. You can tell it with a quick shifter. Um, yes. And just in, the whole engine in general is smoothing out more and more and more, and the power right. the power just seems to come smoother and smoother. So you know, it's it's funny that in the car world, the thought of having to break in your car is largely lost now because cars are just made that you don't have to break them in mm-hmm. motorcycles are made to such fine tolerances you can really feel the break-in process yeah i was surprised how much how much you could but yeah, yeah you certainly can i'll be i'll be curious to get the stock tires off it and uh you know maybe some better performing tires on it what know? are you going to go with Pilots? uh yeah the, it's like the pilot fours the fives the road sixes, pilots the yeah. sixes well no he's they're all great they're, right? i mean they are all great it's um my favorite's the fours, yeah. and you can still buy new fours. You can, but you've got the fours, which are sort of like all weather, and then mm-hmm. the fives and sixes, which look the same but ain't. Yeah, I guess the sixes, why I priced them, they are not cheap. No, right. and then the GT, couple of hundred bucks, the GTs, uh, which so. is a slightly different. But we'll be going Michelin's, of course. Yeah, I do have a suspension question though. Yeah, I was go talking on. to Knock about it earlier, and he asked how the bike's going cool and i one thing about the suspension and i don't know if they come a little s- stiff from the factory but <laughs> but um i noticed I it's a little come a little 
<laughs> say knock came here a little yes, stiff. Yeah. Yes, well he always does. <laughs> but the bike, it's still, um, you know, it's yes. great. It performs great, but it's a little chattery almost. Like still, I feel like it could just overall be softer. I I backed off the compression damping. Yes. Um, you know, you know, uh, each one is a quarter turn, so a half turn. Right. Um, which helped it, especially if you hit like a bump or a ridge. Or yeah, something well, like keep that. going. But is that what it is the the compression damping? Well, you, you see, if we get down to suspension fundamentals compression is how quickly it compresses rebound is how quickly it releases and generally the higher the number the slower it is to respond so if you have a higher number on the compression it's going to be stiffer compressing higher number on the rebound slower res- relaxing now if you're on a bumpy road bump 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 suspension's going up and down up and down so you can have it super soft on the compression but if it's not relaxing quickly enough then that will affect it as well so it's like a peanut butter and jelly thing yeah. i mean the good news is it's all shift on the fly on your bike you can do it from the dashboard can't you no no it still clicks with a screwdriver Oh, dear. No, yeah. yeah no, oh, that's not, not very electronic. old school. Yeah. Obsolete. <laughs> it's, no, it's obsolete. Great. But I am curious, like, does it, how, how, I don't know how those come from the factory. How this Generally, they come out. stiffer. Um, you know. Because I think on a track, it'd be great. But basically, like, our track is Highway 17, so you're doing some well, pretty good speeds, but then you'll hit chattery pavement kind of a thing. This is the method that all manufacturers have, are going to now. You know, there's, like, stiffer is better. And there's an argument for that. But got a bit of comfort as well um and cars the same way i mean you know i don't know whether the last time you drove in a honda civic even a humble honda civic rides like a brick these days because it's you know suspension's tuned for the nurburgring yeah well how about tuned for highway 17 please Mm -hmm. with our potholes so I might mess around with the, yeah, the compression keep, damping yeah, a little just, more and just see what happens. And just back it off to zero. Do you know what kind of weight is in there, oil? No. I, I know nothing. All I do is I backed it off, uh, you know, a couple of clicks, basically, and then it softened it up a little bit. I don't know what I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, just go so. back to zero, and it'll be all nice and wallowy. And then you'll <laughs> kind of go up from there. Like when I had a flat tire the other day. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. I had a yawl to my right. But anyway, yeah, bike's been great. Bike's um, been good. So you showed up uh, they. I was polishing my nuts and bolts. Yes. Not well, they're, no, they're going to the zinc plater. Well, this, I, I thought this was an interesting conversation. Because I'm like, if you're going getting them plated, they're going to clean them first anyway, right? Well, so yes and no. Well, hang on. Because <laughs> plating, whether it's nickel, whether it's zinc, whether it's cadmium, or even chromium plating is very, very thin. It's going to reflect the metal underneath, or as we say in the trade, the substrate. So, if your substrate's all lumpy and bumpy and corroded and groaty, it's going to look like groaty plating on top of it. So, if you've got an original bike, and this is a 1956 Triumph that's on the ramp right now at work, and the guy wants a complete restoration on it, it was his dad's bike. As a kid, he used to sit on top of the gas tank, and his dad would ride him through the almond groves in Fresno. So he's got very, very fond memories of this bike. And he said, look, I want as much of the bike original as possible, which means from my point of view, I don't get to replace things. I get to restore individual components. So when he gets the bike back, 
It's not a bunch of parts that I've sourced from elsewhere. It's basically his bike with new paint, new chrome, new plating, and so on and so forth. I, 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 do, I love how you showed up with this plastic, old plastic bin. It had to be like 200 miscellaneous old parts. Yes. And that, that's all the parts we're talking about. I'm yeah. like, how do you keep track of any of that stuff? Well, but off you go. To a certain extent. Oh, excuse me. I've got a. Did I'm, you get a high chew? I'm eating a gummy octopus right now, and it's oh. very good, but it is quite sour. <laughs> oh. So you get the high pucker factor. I got some tropical llamas. Well, oh, I'll have one of those. Soften it up. You've got so much oh, sugar on, <laughs> in your crotch. It's like a. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they call me Sugar Crotch. She'll let you snort it off. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a straw. No, this, is, this is sour as well. Oh, God. Oh, hang on. I got other stuff. Anyway. Um, pass those over here. So where were we with the... Uh, um, oh, all your bits. All, all my bits. Mm-hmm. So um, you work it like a jigsaw puzzle. I mean, to a certain extent, you've got a bike that's completely blown apart. Because you have to get down to the nuts and bolts. And Rufus is going mm. this way as well. Mm. And you just, you start off with the big stuff. Okay, we know where the big stuff goes. Just like on Jigsaw Puzzle, you know, you know where that pattern goes. You know, that's like the face, so that goes there. Like the corner. And then you just work out from there. Um, but yeah, I probably, I probably got the rust and corrosion and gack off 500 nuts and bolts and You're going adjusters and bits and clamps. I thought it was interesting though you did uh you only did the bits the part of the the part of the bits that would show. Well yeah, Not I mean what's the parts, point? Right? I was going to say what is the point because they are going to get an acid dip. So in terms of finish, if you've got a bolt, obviously the tip of the bolt, just the tip where the nut goes on, you want that to be nice because you can see that through the nut unless it's a, a dome nut <laughs> or a doom nut. <laughs> a doom nut. We're doomed. Um, and, of course, you want the head to be nice, the hex part or the screw head. But the rest of it, yeah, whatever, because yeah. it's going in an acid It's like pattern. when you paint your house and you paint the front and both sides, but you don't do the back because nobody sees it. Yeah, nobody sees it. When yeah. you're sitting in your backyard, and they think, <laughs> oh, this is a rotten, <laughs> rotten house. And all your neighbors think, oh, what a pretty house. Um, so, um, How shiny is it going to be compared to like the zinc plating? How? No, I mean, zinc plating is quite shiny. It's not like chrome. Okay. But it's a, it's a bright... It's a bright finish. It's a nice... Um, the original, of course, was cadmium, which is quite a dull finish. It's quite a chalky and silvery. It and almost looks like silver paint. And durable? like like you, Nah, like, I mean, it's not as durable as zinc. Okay. Um, but zinc's the one to go? Nah, the nice heavy zinc coating and industrial. And there's it just so happens that there's a place that does this in Santa Clara. Hmm. And I am collecting my brother from the airport next Wednesday. Oh, if I was around, I'd get lunch with you. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually traveling through Santa Clara. So I thought, oh, it's an ideal opportunity. I can drop these things off. Perfect. And get the process started. Get some Indian food while you're over there. Yeah, I intend oh. to. So if you were going to get do like substitute new parts, would you do stainless? Yeah, I mean, I I like stainless, but you've got to be careful on these older bikes because you want to try and keep them original mm. if you can. Yeah. Um, you know, originality counts for a great deal. And most of the stuff I do these days for myself are all resto mods. 
So, and that's its own thing. And, you know, you can do whatever you want on a resto mod. If you want chrome nuts and bolts, if you want penguins, if you think you can get away with it, it's fine because you're not going for originality. But especially if you're building a bike, that sooner or later is going to be in a prestigious show. And, you know, there's going to be some guy wearing a blazer and a boater judging it. You want at least try and make some concession to it being original. Even if it's, you know, um, an interpretation of the original finishes. Some of the finishes from back in the day are very, very hard to duplicate. All these bikes were painted with cellulose um, enamels. And you simply can't get that paint anymore. So you have to kind of... And the gloss is different. This one had a blue? Was it a, yeah, a so it's, blue? Yeah, you saw the stuff on my workbench at yeah. home. Yeah, so it's a pretty, it's a pretty color. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of a pale... It's not a sky blue. It's, um, I don't know how you describe the color. It's a very, very nice color. It's very classy. Polychromatic blue. It's cool. Nice. Cool bringing it back, too. Yeah, and again, resurrected. Original paint finish and another one will be resurrected after sitting in a barn in Fresno for 40 years. And how far as close did you get to resurrecting that uh, other Triumph today? Yeah, I mean, we finished the harness, but it's, it's always the devil is in the details. And there were a couple of light fittings that were broken, which I didn't realize, and a couple of bulbs that were broken that I didn't realize. And I'm a huge advocate. You know, you you finish each task before you move on to the next. So I gave him a shopping list. I said, go off and buy all this stuff, and I'll see you next week. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a challenge because he's an older gentleman, and he moves very, very slowly. And he wants me to do it. And I'm not going to. He's got to do it. That's how the recycle garage works. Right. You know? I heard, I heard him talking that way this morning, and, and I made a couple of just, you know, corrections to his, the way he was speaking about, oh, yeah, now 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 she'll get it done. And it's like, well, no, mean? she won't. She You're going to get it done. You know? Yeah, but, I mean, you know, he was, a, he was a willing participant, I think. He would, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, if nothing else, you have to, you have to try and, work with people that at least they show willingness to do it. I mean, if somebody's nice enough guy. sitting there twiddling their thumbs while you slave over their bike, I mean, it's not really how recycle works. But, yeah, he got stuck in. So we'll bring it home next week, and he'll be riding out of here. It's made progress, right? Yeah. Good progress. No, the, the harness is on. Yeah. The harness is on. The harness is wired. It's ready to go. So I saw you guys when I earlier. You had just done a mock-up, basically. You had threaded it through the uh, the headlight and then used <clears throat> masking tape just to kind of mock it up along the frame. Yeah, you just want to you you basically you lay the harness on. Whenever you do a harness on a bike, whether it's a British bike, Japanese bike, Italian bike, it really doesn't matter. You just lay the harness on and just tape it in various spots and then just kind of wiggle it and feel out what goes where and goes here and goes there. And you just finish it with zip ties. And then when you've got it so that everything's wired up, nothing's being pulled towards or nothing so baggy that you can wrap it around the back wheel ten times, then you get the zip ties out and zip tie it up. And that's it. Um, you know, it's it's not... A job I take lightly doing a wiring harness because it is a big job. I mean, it's a fundamental job. But the trouble is, certainly on English bikes, 
you know the 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 wiring harnesses tended tended to get monkeyed with, and then the monkeyed bit tended to get monkeyed with, yep. and then before you know it, you're dealing with an absolute friggin' rat's nest, and for the cost of a hundred and twenty odd bucks, just buy a new friggin' harness. And it was so clean. Oh, you it's could beautiful. See the colors and of the wires. Yeah, the colors of the wires, and yeah, oh, it's a real deal. And it seemed to have all the plugs. Oh yeah. No, that I mean. They're made by the original equipment manufacturer. And then in it, that case, Lucas. Lucas. Did it had that little, um, what would you call it, converter that was a transformer that transformed the, the, the power from AC to DC? Oh, yes, the rectifier. Yeah, did that end up being a stock one? No. Oh, okay. That was, that was a very hokey piece. Of I saw you scratching stuff. letters into it with a screwdriver. Well, no, and it was because, yeah. you know, it just had these connections on it and there's nothing marked on it at all. Nothing. It was just this like little brick. I'm like, oh shit! How do we? And I just got a Q-tip with a bit of brake cleaner. It looked like a little rubber block. Yes, <laughs> it didn't well, even look like an electric yeah, I mean, on the bike. And I just kind of, and suddenly, like a vision, you know, like the parting of the Red Sea. I could see the original markings, so I scratched them in there. And so now we knew how to, because um, we don't want to set things on fire. That's not. Yes, really we what do. Well, I know, but I don't want. <laughs> I miss s- those days. <laughs> I, I don't want to see grown men blubbering because their <laughs> brand new harness, you know, has gone up in flames. Um, so that was the nuts and bolts and triumph harnesses was the um, majority of my day. Well, we had a couple new bikes show up too. Yes, we did. Yeah, Ooh, we, we had that, new bikes. that brand new GTS three hundred Vespa. Gino. Yeah, Gino. A very handsome young man. Good looking guy, yeah. What was the color you called it, Doug? Uh, Dave Grohl. 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 Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl. Green gold. gold. (laughs) It was was a cool color, metal flake. It was a cool color, and it had the 75 sort of, you know, a little bit like fuzzy on the side. No, Bega, you'd be getting all frothy over it. It's the 75th anniversary edition. Everything's LED, full full LED instrument pack, um, and it got all the accessories on it got the front rack the rear rack what do you call those bahama bars on the back just the crash bars yes yeah yes very cool and it was great looking thing and this absolutely Mm -hmm. superb color and he's riding it back to the city tonight no 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 he's a ucsc oh he brought i I thought i heard the city Um, it looked big overall looked like a big well they are quite physically big what's what's the cc on that 300 300 okay yeah, same size as mine. And then that cute little uh, S90 showed up. Yeah, 1969 S90. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. It's Sweet. like a little kitten of a bike. Guy found it on the side of the road. And he said, Is that right? Really? Well, it was for sale, but it was just kind of oh, on the road. So he went and got it and no did kidding. a lot of the restoration himself. Yeah, he, bought, he found nice. a lot of the yeah. original parts, put them on there. Looks good. He's another guy that's like, uh, it's funny when Santa Cruz people show up and they're like, I never knew this place was here. Uh, another long <laughs> lifetime Santa Cruz Right. Guy. But again, that is a perfect example. The absolute worst thing you could do to that bike is start throwing new parts at it. Mm-hmm. Because the patina was just perfect. It's perfect, you're right. The yeah. originality yeah. was perfect. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a balance. You put one brand new turn signal on it, it's like, it doesn't yeah. match. So you know, you've got to be very careful with these things. And then Bashar, if I remember that correctly, yeah, showed Bashar. up. She uh Brand new rider, you know, she kind of puttered in here and well, lost a clutch on the way in, but hey, she's learning. Bashar showed up about a month ago, and very, very nice young lady from Iran, mm-hmm. and said, 
I want to learn how to ride a motorbike. I said, well, okay, um, you've come to the right place. Are you doing any formal training? And she said, yes, I'm just starting the, the training. And I think she went to Pacific or one of the training yeah, courses, yeah. so she did that. And then she's been looking for a bike. And she showed up today on a very, very clean 250 Rebel. Yeah, looks great. She got it for like 2100 bucks. Yeah, she got it for a great price. Yeah. It's got the obligatory dent in the tank. <laughs> totally. Because they all do. <laughs> I have perfect, to say. The they, they come like, stock like that, I think. They yeah. do. <laughs> I sold Melissa, Stumpy's wife, the cleanest. It's beautiful. 250 Rebel in existence. Mm-hmm. And it came with a dent in the tank. <laughs> because they all do. <laughs> but it's got that bomb-proof twin motor in it. Yeah. It yeah. And she can work on it. She can learn how to do so yeah. much on that bike. That's a great first bike for her. Yeah. Yeah. So new bikes, bikes fixed, blah, blah, blah. Knobs polished. But. um, <laughs> Hey, throw me one of those frogs. Yeah, no, they're great, and they're they? not sour. They're straight and Mexican. They're not, and they're, yeah, they're not, I think they're apple flavor. What? Yeah, I think so. Pond. They're pond flavor. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a special treat for everyone. Ooh. Um, oh? I've got a history hole. Oh, yeah. Right. But I'm not presenting it. What? you got to present your hole. No. No, somebody else. It's a mystery hole. So, it's a mystery well, mystery hole. It's a mystery mystery hole. <laughs> so we have one of the misfits has presented themselves as being very much of this genre. And now they've decided that they're of another genre and are going to celebrate it. I'm talking none other than Bagel. It's you're a coming going, out. You're going supermoto. It's a coming out. Not quite. <laughs> super no. Mo, super Mo. Yeah, he'll be super <laughs> no, Mo no. next year. Yeah. So, no, no I don't, um, don't know about that. No, but ba- we'll see. Bagel, God bless him, dedicated <laughs> scooterist, and has discovered little Hondas. Oh, boy. And you want to tell us all about them, don't you, Bagel? Well, a lot of people would consider these to be very, very close to scooters. No, they're not. (laughs) So I'm just kind of putting a toe over that line here. No, they're not. But what what I'm presenting is... It's a friggin' motorbike. (laughs) Yes, indeed. But we are presenting the 70 years of the Honda Cub. And there's a couple of things before Bagel gets into it that... People need to know about these bikes. The first is they have been around for 70 years. And the second, you can take the highest production vehicle in the world, the Volkswagen Beetle, the Model T Ford, anything. It all pales into insignificance compared yes. to these bikes. They're so dwarfed. They're and, and dwarfed on, completely. And, and I could not find... Uh, up-to-date spe- uh, uh, production figures on the Honda Cub, but it was noted that in 2017, five years ago, they had reached the 100 million mark of production. Damn. 100 million. So Just let that sink in. That is incredible. Yeah, so we're talking about a vehicle that has truly moved the entire world. So, you know, a lot of people kind of just turn their noses up at these bikes because they're small, they're not fast, um, they're, they seem... Oh, we've lost him. Yeah. Well, 
I've got to go. Douglas signing off. You guys have a great night. Good to see you, Bagel. Good to see you too, Doug. Congratulations. Oh, he's back. Congratulations. You, Welcome to the dark side. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so wh- where did you lose me? Um just um so we got to the we got to the point where we were talking about 100 million and we got to the point where people looked down at them just as yes. they looked down at your internet connection. Bye Doug. <laughs> Bye. Bye Doug. Adios Doug. I wish you could stay longer. Yeah, I right. But Later, man. but there there is a whole lot to these bikes that that I think really deserves a lot of respect and and admiration because these, even though these are simple machines, like I said, these are machines. And their mobility that, that I think they, they really do deserve a place of honor in motorcycle history. And, and there's some impressive engineering that goes into these that I really want to talk about because as I've been learning more about these bikes, now that I've gotten into them, um, you know, I, I kind of want to share just the, the, That, that helps make them the, the simple, successful bikes that they are. Okay. So, um, first question, how, how did this all start? Well, um, this, the, the very beginning origins of the Honda Cub are in one of Honda's earliest Oh God! Now, we we lost you again, Bagel. There is something. Yeah, there's the internet connection. If you turn the on video, you said you mentioned turning the video off. I right? turned ours off, but right, Bagel. But maybe you should video. turn yours off. No, turn oh, Bagel's off, and let's see if we can get there, that. I'll turn mine off. All right, All right, very good. We'll see if this is any better. No, Thanks. I'm sure it will be. Okay. Okay, so we're going back 1952. Let's talk about the origins of this bad boy. Products that they sold after World War II uh, was a uh, a clip-on bicycle engine that you could strap onto a bicycle and power your bicycle to, to motor around with. And in the early days after World War II, that was a, a huge product that, that was very popular because, you know, there were a lot of bicycles. But, uh, but, but Honda knew that they needed to to do more than just that. They needed to expand and, and grow the business uh, along with the, the demands of, of the, the economy as it started to rebuild. Oh God, we keep losing him. Bagel. Can you hear me now? Yeah. You're go you're definitely going in and out. And this is such an interesting topic. Uh, yeah, I really um, want it. This is very, very frustrating because. Can, can we fix it in post? <laughs> no, it would be. A, I, yeah, because you're be sim- you're simply not there, darling. You're like a specter. You're like a specter. I tell you what, we're going to do because yeah. this is a story that's worth telling, and okay. I know that you have put in a great deal of effort into this bagel. So mm-hmm. what we're going to do is we're going to revisit this. Um, All right. From the, uh, we're going to tell this story. It is the most amazing story. It really is. And I guarantee you, by the time that we have finished with you, you will have a completely newfound respect for these little bikes and all their derivatives. So, Bagel, based solely on the feebleness of either our internet or your internet tonight, 
can we do a rain check on this? Sure, let's do that. Yeah, let's do that because there's a lot of good stuff. Oh, I yeah, know. This was, I was already Wikipedian and looking. That was it's oh, cool it's topic. just it's 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 amazing. It's amazing. Why did they start start yeah. selling so many units in like 2008? And that it's like you said, their annual production. Is went, that the Grom? Maybe went, oh, I don't know. I'm no, 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 no that's not part of that line. No, the Grom is not part of that. The Grom Super is its own thing. Production, anyway. Yeah, yeah. no, and Seems I mean like something like something like that might have just been a factory opening up somewhere. Mm. The blah blah blah. Anyway, so I'll tell you what we're going to do. Yeah. We are going to talk. We've been neglecting emails, we and we love our listeners, and they always send us lovely emails. So we're going to read a few. Um, I tell you what, Bagel. Yes. Have a stab at yours, darling. All right. Oh, my <laughs> God! All right. Agh! <clears throat> Did you lose me again? Yes. Oh, no. Well, I'll try to make this quick. Um, <clears throat> Hello, fa- fellow wankers. <laughs> Greetings from Ooh, Dan Sarf. Dan Sarf. <laughs> Mike, Michael here, Yorkshire bloke living in Perth, Western Australia. Oh, blimey. Wait, is, you're supposed to be doing a Yorkshire accent, not a Perth accent. Oh, that knows. That's what I said, a Yorkshire accent. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love the show, and recently recently there's been a, Do you love a lot the of... Show? Do you love the Do show? Do you love the show? cheeky monkey. Do you, love the, <laughs> Do you love the show? And and recently there's there's been a lot of talk. <laughs> and he's going to get Oh God, Sorry, folks! I don't even know where the router is to reset it. So yeah. Uh, oh, should, should all I right. Let me finish it. Yeah, okay. we're we're gonna finish it. So we're gonna go for it. There's been a lot of talk about single conrods attached to multiple pistons. Thringles. <laughs> One of them, which has seven branches, rather like a menorah. Yes. which got me thinking. <laughs> if it were possible, what would what would the exhaust note sound like? So wouldn't it be an absolute hoot? That you put the keys in, hit the starter instead of your potato, potato. The tune Havlin, <laughs> Havlin Nagila played through the silencer. <laughs> oh, oh I like the sound of that. <laughs> Sorry, just a little thought. I'll see myself out. Cheers, man. <laughs> and it's good night from me, and it's good night from him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, this is the exhaust note of a bike is a very, very important thing. But I really need to in really need to revisit this thing it's a single crank pin with like a menorah coming off it mm-hmm. with <laughs> at least seven pistons maybe more so, so they, you have all pistons firing at once right oh i don't know i think you could stagger them oh, you know you just could... one millisecond after the other so instead of going whoomph it's kind of go just <laughs> 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 a four stroke you could have you know like like one set fire at one position of the crank and the other fire set fire at the other position. Sounds like an organ grinder. Yeah, it could. <laughs> you know? Oh, I mean, yeah. I think the ultimate goal would be to have an engine where you start it up and people are like, oh my God, how is that thing not exploding right now? <laughs> you know, perhaps something for uh, a few... Well, actually, we I've just remembered, we have an announcement to make. Oh. Right mm-hmm. now is the last dirtbag challenge. Oh, really? Ever. Oh, no. After, I think they've been doing this for 20 years. Um, Wow. This is our friend Paul Mm -hmm. uh, up in Oakland. And Paul is a very, very interesting character. And in direct response to 
the high dollar chopper shows that were very, very popular um, 15, 20 years ago. You know, the whole American chopper mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And Jesse James came up with this thing, the dirtbag challenge. And the concept is very simple. You build a custom bike and you're given a very strict budget to do it and a very strict amount of time. And then you have to prove it. I mean, you go on like a 300-mile ride around Northern California and then it all ends um, usually around Oakland. Um, I think didn't one year it was in Hunter's Point in San Francisco. They had it there for a while in Hunter's Point. Yeah. And they moved it up to whatever that by the water there the treasure other place island. yeah treasure island it was there for and then it went to oakland but it's a big party at the end and this it's going on right now today oh wow and mm. it's the last one. Oh wow and the reason it suddenly popped into my head i always thought you know building a seven cylinder single car <laughs> 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 be perfect for the dirt bag but we'll never get the chance you know but mm-hmm. knowing paul as i do you know, never say never comes to mind. I mean, he, he Paul's such an interesting character. Um, I have this suspicion that the Dirtbag Challenge will live again in one form or another, not necessarily with that name. So we may we may get a chance to build the menorah bike. <laughs> that would be oh awesome. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Jeez. You know. <laughs> I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something to see, though. So um, thank you, Bagel. Um, Jim. Mm. Yes. You, you, I got a frog in my mouth. All right. Mm. Apple flavor. <laughs> I'm to start bringing my glasses to this. Lord. All right. This is from Joshua Clark. Joshua. Hey, Joshua. Hey there, misfits. This is Josh from Lebanon, Pennsylvania. And I thought I could pick your brain about ADV, dual sport, and scrambler bikes, since many of you do uh, some sort of dirt riding. Here in Pennsylvania, it's very limited off, uh, what off-road riding is available. ATV trails don't allow motorcycles. What? That's bullshit. That is. Oh, wow. four Quads can go, but no. That's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, nor do the state forests. That's a bummer. Uh, Wait, state only forests a, don't allow motorcycles? I, I guess not. Pennsylvania. Oh, move to Ohio. Move to Ohio. Yeah. You know what? Pennsylvania, guys, you suck. You need to start including motorcycles. Keystone State. <laughs> right. Uh, there, there are reasons why I left. Uh, uh, so anyway there's only a couple of places you can get a permit for some true trail riding Um, I've been interested in getting a bike that can handle some light off-road riding basically just dirt roads and gravel roads or getting in and out of a campsite without much trouble Uh, I'd like to be able to take my girlfriend on a weekend camping trip and when I'm on my own zip down some gravel or dirt road mostly uh, road riding uh, just being able to confidently take a rougher road when necessary not going to do long distance touring uh, or extreme off road riding on this bike. Uh, I like the look of the Moto Guzzi V85 TT. However, the Nealus dealer is over an hour away. Then he talked about the Vstrom uh, 650 XT Adventure. Right. There's a dealer 10 minutes away. Same for the KLR 650, 10 minutes away. Uh, Royal Enfield Himalayan or new Scram 411. Hmm. What the fuck that is? Uh, anyway, however, there's also a DR650, or possibly putting some knobbies on his Sportster. What are your thoughts and suggestions? <laughs> <laughs> there's bitching knobby. There's bitching. Oh, oh hell yeah. I've seen some man. of those. Yeah, yeah for okay. sure. So, uh, so anyway, take care. Keep up the great work, Josh. So okay. adventure bikes for a little bit of dirt and taking his girlfriend camping. He didn't yeah. mention the Triumph Scrambler. I think that's got to be the one, hasn't yeah. it? But he well, comes, budget is going to well, be Well, no, day. hang on. And he comes up with a very, very valid point. 
when you're buying a newer bike, where is your nearest dealer? Mm-hmm. I say, I'm going to service this thing myself. Well, you still need parts, you know? And I wish we had a dealer 10 minutes away. Well, yes, I know. Right? So I think that's a cool thing. Um, so to me, one of the things, it's not a lot of dirt, but you want, but when you, when, when you get in the dirt, you want to have confidence. So I get that. But then the other thing is his girlfriend. Yeah, that's yeah. So comfort's going to be another thing to take in into mind. And Dr would be hard for two up. Dr, it's got a dirt yeah. bikey seat. You know, yeah. your girlfriend's not going to be stoked after like half an hour, probably hanging on to that. Right. Um, I think the, uh, I mean, the KLR has a bitchin' seat. It does. Very comfy. I mean, if you ain't got any money, that's the one to go for. Yeah, yeah, based on your budget. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I think the the Vstrom 650 XT is is the way to go. I mean, because they've been making it since what, like 2015. Yeah, and I mean, you so know, you can the, pick them up used. Uh, you can pick them up used, and the the Vstrom's such a it's a uh, it's a known platform. It'll be a totally different experience than those other the other bike bikes. Will be much more dirt oriented. Yeah. Well, he didn't mention the Versus either. Versus be another great choice. Yeah. But I think the V-Strom's a little more well, off-roady. Well, you, you just hold on with a Versus thing. You see, the Versus, you're stuck with that 17-inch. 17-inch front wheel, yeah. That's and that's a handful in the dirty. And the V-Strom has a 21? A, no, 19, 19, I think. Okay. Yeah, v- a little better, yeah. V-Strom's have always been the 19, 17. Yeah. 19 on the front, 17 on the back. That's kind of like the... the yeah. You know, the signature of the V-Strom. And I think if you're going to go an hour or two camping with your girl, you know, you can throw some luggage on there and it'll be, it'll be a comfortable hour or two. We I call that, that luggage. Luggage around here, darling. So that would be my, I like the idea that. Um, well, there's some other crazy ones but too. But I tell you what, no, step up by a Triumph Scrambler. Or a Ducati oh, Scrambler. Brilliant. Don't you come in here and <laughs> give up. There's babbling from the sick bed, John, as well you know. Well, yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm babbling a, from the sick I'm bed. I'm a Triumph nerd, but you know, it's there. They're, they, the Triumph is a great looking bike. You know, the other oh, one, God, too, is, is fantastic. Great we're, looking bike. We were talking about it today, that S, SWM. Because um, okay. they have that new, it's fully street legal and it's cheap. It's like six, $7,000. Yeah. Is it comfy? comfy. Yeah, seat. it's a Husqvarna, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah, but if you got a dealer close by, that's a good deal. Yeah. I mean, but like I said, DR DR650 is a great bike. It's going to be more dirty. Same mm-hmm. with the the KLR. So I like the the V-Storm is a good choice. Or the if you got the money, pony up into the Triumph Scrambler. Yeah, I so tell you what, those motor guzzies, God, they're so handsome. Though. Yeah, I really like them. <gasps> yeah, God, they're such a good looking bike. That might uh, motor. I'm I'm kind of horny for motor guzzies right now. Yeah, I sort of want one. They're good looking. And you know they they. Modigoosies have always had an interesting following. You know, it's they, they've always been the, the quirky choice compared with the Ducati. You know, a lot of people, oh, you bought a Ducati, you know, snobbo. Henry, Henry loves his Modigoosies. Oh, Henry. Well, you know, I Henry, loved mine. Yes. Yeah. There is a lot to love with Modigoosies. There's just something about them. When you start them up and they go, oh, blah, 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 blah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, buy the motor goosey and don't worry about the dealership, it'll be fine. Johnny, do you have oh, an email? I do. Um, okay, this is from Paul. Paul, hey, Paul. Hello, Misfits. Hello, Paul. Hello. Longtime listener, first time caller here. Great podcast team. I listen at work and enjoy your antics. Tra-la-la. Thanks to you and other podcasts, I, I recently purchased my fourth bike. However, due to the fact I live in Canada, I only insure one at a time since our rates are no bueno. Right. This is where Miss Emma comes in, I yes. hope. 
The bike is a KLX 400SR. Oh, that's a good bike. Um, AKA a DRZ 400S. Yes. Uh, of 200, 2004 vintage, and it's giving me some some issues. I recently rode a f- to a friend's house, and shortly after, the fan kicked in in traffic. I lost a dash, and the lights began to dim. Shortly thereafter, the bike stalled after missing after misfiring. I had to push it a short distance to my destination, where we charged the battery. After a short ride and stop, the bike wouldn't start again. Okay. After a bump start, however, I rode home for about 40 minutes. Parking in my spot, it fired up again. Thanks to Miss Emma's advice... I have a USA battery on order and hope this fixes the issue. The old battery, seller says it was new, tested good, but said it had uh, 112CCA out of the rated 120. Yeah, right. Do I have to troubleshoot anything else? I have a, bl- a, a bad feeling that it's the regulator or statter. What do you say, Missy? Thank you for an advance. The winter is coming, so if I don't get the issue licked soon, I look forward to hearing your advice in the cold months. Keep up your good work, and F you, Nuck. No, <laughs> yes. we saw a knock today. We saw yeah, so good. So let, let's deal with the knock thing first because this is very, very important. So I said to knock, "Are you ever going to be on the podcast again?" And he said, "Oh yeah." He said, "He's just he's doing family things." Yeah, you know, he's doing hmm. family. As things. is Mikey three times. Yeah, well, Mikey three times is in Italy right now. I know, I, mean, I know. Yeah, yeah. Lucky, lucky. trying to scream. Uh, get a bunch of that riding in before the new baby comes. Right, exactly, because it'll be game over. Exactly. So, um, but Nock is going to be back. So, step one, the UASA battery. That's, that's the nutritious part of anyone's breakfast. Start with that. I think you might have skirted the regulator to rectifier issue. They are quite strong. These these KLX 400s are interesting bikes. They always say it was developed in conjunction with Suzuki. No, it wasn't. Kawasaki just basically bought DRZ 400s and put Kawasaki oh, stickers really? on. Yeah, I mean, they are exactly the same bike. Um, down to eb- turn signals, <coughs> absolutely everything. Hmm. Um, and they are very, very good bikes. We we all know and love DRZ 400s. And generally, they have escaped most of the awful charging problems that a lot of Suzuki's suffer from. Um, that doesn't mean they're completely exempt. But something about this tells me it was just a funky battery. And it was probably a funky no-name battery. So good quality battery. Whenever you buy a battery, make sure you cycle it first. Um, so you've got to charge it, even though it's a brand new battery. Um, and keep us posted. Put in a new battery. Make sure it's showing at least 12.5 volts before you even start the bike. Switch on. It'll probably go to like 12.1. Hit the button and you'll see it momentarily drop to about 11 while the starter mode is doing its thing. But then it should perk up and it should go to at least 13.5, maybe even 14 volts. And the way charging systems are set up now, right off of idle, you'll see maximum volts, you know. And if anything, as you rev it, it might just tail off a little bit. It's not unusual to see a bike at idle showing like 13 volts, just off idle, going way up to 14.2, 14.3. And then as you keep revving it, it kind of settles back down again to like 13.9. That's perfectly normal. That's a regret doing its thing. Um, 
but always test it with a fully charged, decent battery. Um, keep us posted on that one, Josh, but I think you might have dodged the bullet, mate. I think you caught it early enough that a decent battery. You get some more riding in before um, the frozen north becomes the frozen yeah, north. Exactly. God, that makes life easier, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Switch out the battery. Switch mm-hmm. out the battery for a decent one. You know, how many times have we had emails here when say, well, I put a decent battery in the bike and all those funny little electrical gremlins went away. Funny that. So we, we, this came up a little bit the other yep. day. You know, what is, if you want to be proactive about changing out your battery, like I was asking, like the Africa Twin, right? It's 2018. It's got the stock uh, battery in it. When? How long can you expect a stock battery to last should like should just wait for it to die yeah and i mean you know generally i have heard credible battery technicians tell me that two years is everything for a motorcycle battery hmm. everything because they lead hard lives mm-hmm. um De- depending on how they're taken care of yeah yeah and i mean you can stack the odds you can certainly prolong the life of a battery by taking care of it mm-hmm. but um yeah. on, on the yeah. other side of the coin you can shorten the life by neglecting it oh so i have another question now well how do you how do you neglect a battery other than like not running the bike like, leave it discharged for a long period of time oh, okay there you go because it, it's a chemical reaction yeah. it's reaction of acid with with lead okay and yeah. if you let it discharge and leave it that way, you get all this sulfation, you know. Get it'll all never this, come back to where it's... Yeah, it'll never come back. So, um, you know, we talk about UASA batteries a lot. Um, I know at least some of them can be hard to come by these days. I don't know if, if you've ordered any lately, if, you, if there's delays in shipping. Um, so my, my question is, you know, okay, is not available. How reliable are like, what, what were the brands like? Firepower, I think that's a popular one. Right, so um, Firepower is, it, is uh, um, Western Power Sports' own brand, and then you've got Bike Master. Yeah, Bike Master. Those are the Bike two Master you see. is Parts Unlimited' own brand, and then you've got Biker's Choice, which is uh, Tucker Rocky's own brand. Mm. And I mean, because I have a Firepower in the four, Honda Four Fifty right now. Yes, and is that serving you well? So until it doesn't, but so far so good. Well, there it you has go. more cranking amps than the the Yuasa, but you know from a reliability standpoint, right? And you know a lot of times we're just looking for the reliability yeah. thing. Um, I'm an old cynic. I mean, to me, it's Yuasa and the rest of them, and some are better than others, but it's still the rest of them. Mm-hmm. What's your feeling on lithium batteries? No, I do not. Emma does not approve, and I will tell you why. Hmm. Because it's not just, oh, Emma says no. I'm not going to listen because all mine have them now. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Honda were very, very careful with their rollout of lithium batteries. The new Africa Twins have got them, mm-hmm. and the 450s got them. What was interesting is, so I, I did the cardinal sin of leaving the key on with the uh, stock UASA battery, right? Cooking, right? Those are like 380 to replace. Yes. And I didn't realize it until I'm halfway to the desert, so I ended up in uh, Bakersfield or somewhere, found a dealer that had the firepower ones. The firepowers have to be at least high, half the weight of the UASA. Yes. Which is just, which to me was striking. Right. Right, but that that's the difference in reliability, I assume, or quality. Well, yes and no. So... The reason why I'm not entirely on board with lithium batteries in motorcycles, lithium batteries don't like changing voltage quickly. Mm. That's not their nature. Your telephone, um, your P 
PC, all the things that you normally use a lithium-ion battery for. It's a very slow discharge throughout the day. And then you plug it in at night, and it's a slow charge back up. Theoretically, if you want to keep the life good, it never goes below 20%, never goes above 80%. You know, that's the kind of range that we want to keep a lithium battery in. But the key is it's discharging slowly and it's charging slowly. So now let's think about your bike. We already talked a little bit about voltage earlier Mm -hmm. in in the day. So you walk out to your bike and it's got 12 and a half volts in it. Switch on the ignition, it immediately goes down to 12. You hit the button and it's gone down to 11 while the starter's doing its thing. The bike fires up and you give it a blip and it immediately has gone up to 14. So you've just jumped five volts in a second. And that goes through the reg rec, right? Well, yeah, but the battery is part of the charging system. Right. It goes through the reg rec. But the battery's part of the ballast, you know? It's, mm-hmm. the, the battery's job is to take some of the excess so the reg rec doesn't have a, okay. have a coronary. Right. And the trouble is a lithium-ion battery is resistant to that quicker voltage change. Even though it's small increments, <clears throat> it's just the, the constant back and forth. Coming. Well, it's not small increments. I mean, 5 volts change... Yeah. On a 12-volt battery is a lot. Huh. So when you're like, because I've never done it riding, if you're riding kind of hard up and down, you know, through the RPMs, how much will a voltage change? It shouldn't change that much. That's because, what the I mean, does, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Exa- yeah, that's the regulator doing its job. Once you are above idle, mm. once you're in that period from, let's say, let's take an arbitrary figure from 2,000 RPM to... 10,000 RPM, you shouldn't see that much voltage change. Mm -hmm. Even though the generator is spinning from 2,000 RPM up to 10,000, the RegRec's doing its job and shaving off all that excess. But it's producing, there's a lot of byproducts that are being produced, and heat's one of them. That's why RegRec's are always finned. They need to dissipate heat. And you keep them away from a heat source. You know, bolting a reg rec on the back of an engine is a bad idea. Well, it's on the on the triumphs. They put them on the old triumphs right on the front, right? They do. They do indeed. What's that little chingadera called? It's a xenodiode, right? The yeah. xenodiode, which xenodiode. does the same thing. A xenodiode will basically deflect all the current, all the voltage above 13 and just transfer it into, you know. It arcs like a Tesla generator. Yes, exactly. It's like a Van de Graaff, <laughs> exactly. Van de Graaff Van de generator. generator. <laughs> um, but yeah, you put okay. them out in the front because they produce heat um, and they need to disperse heat. Um, but yeah. But uh, lithium's the future, I guess. I mean, that's... It is and it isn't. I mean, Honda were very, very careful. Why would the Yuasa weigh so much more than like the firepower? The same lithium battery. It was interesting. Because like, it's, it's got all those shunts in it to help with the charging system. Mm. You know? it's That's why. It needs the capacity in order to act as the ballast. Hmm. You know, as... It's almost the, like a pressure tank, huh? Yeah, exactly. It's Think more, of it like a pressure tank. Yeah, and it's more surface area inside the battery, right? Right. Ah, okay. Yeah. And you need that surface area. You need to... You know, to disperse these these current spikes that are coming in and out. Yeah. Of course, it's two hundred dollars more. Right, exactly. Yeah. I think it's worth a try. Yeah, you know, uh, I think it's worth a try. Just curious. But if your bike sets itself on fire, 
<laughs> and it sets your genitalia on fire with it. <laughs> Never Don't come blubbering uh, to us. It's amazing how often we talk about bikes popping on fire. Yes, it's well, a regular that occurrence. happens. Well, you know, I've set my I've set my uh, um, uh, my main knickknacks on yeah, fire yeah, with yeah. a Triumph Trident and your shiny and bits. Yes, my shiny <laughs> bits. <laughs> that was in your own neighborhood too, wasn't it? Yes, it was riding around the block, much to the oh, mu- much to the amusement of my neighbor across the street. Emma's <laughs> 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 genitalia is on fire again. <laughs> That's why they call you fire crotch. Yes, exactly. Oh God, look like a, look like a, a British Spitfire. Yeah, well, I've just been going down over London. Oh, we're going down, Captain. The Messerschmitt's got me. <laughs> Goodbye, cruel world. <laughs> Shuffle off this mortal coil. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So, oh, I think I've got an email myself. Yes, you do. Oh, I do. Uh, Dear Misfits, thank you for your wonderful podcast and your hard work putting together the show. Well, who, actually, oh, that's all you, John. You're the only one who works. John, John is the, the, work, the workhorse. Yeah. That's for um, sure. Who's it from? Well, I'll tell oh, you in a minute. Uh, just I've your, had a bunch of these things. Keep your hair on. Um, Ishan. Ishan. <coughs> It's from Ishan. Hey, Ishan. Hey. Um, I live in the Bay Area, and hopefully I will meet you in person soon. I hope so, too, Ishan. Come have a donut. Yes. Um, This is in reference to your podcast from the 19th of June this year, and a discussion that piqued my interest. Specifically, Emma and the Misfits were discussing the engine mods for Zach's SV650 engine. (laughs) That was quite the mod. Yes, (laughs) to increase the power to almost 100 horses. I wonder what cautions and servicing modifications need to be accounted for when increasing the power by over 50% of a motorcycle that resides for 65 horsepower. It's a very good question. The frame must have been designed, including a safety factor. Oh, the frame must have been designed, including factor of safety for the vibrations and forces developed by a motor at 65 and not 100 horsepower. How do you plan for these changes as a mechanic? I have a Versus 650 as my daily ride. I recently came across a high compression kit made for the Ninja 650 engines that increases the power by 40 to 50%. Do you know of any such mod for the Versus? Well, the Versus and the Ninja are very similar engines, so I do a bit more research because that might work on yours. Um, what happens when you increase the horsepower that much? You lose reliability? Well, there you go. Yeah. Now, Well, it's all sorts of things, right? Yes. I mean, so we're going to have a little talk about horsepower uh, because it comes at a cost. Because we like it. Because we like it. We like horsepower here. However, there is no pain without cost. No pain, no gain. And the fact of the matter is is if you want to increase the horsepower of your engine, it's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you some degree of rideability. And it's going to cost you um, reliability. And those are plain facts that you can't really get away from. Now... Zach has modified his SV650 over and over and over again. And now it's producing nearly 100 horsepower. However, there's a couple of things here. It has been a multi-year project. 
And if Zach was to sit down and figure out how much he spent on that engine, it would send his hair gray because he has spent a crap load. He's a smart cat. But he's he's done it over many years, so it's absorbed some of the cost. But the second, and he would be the first to admit that, an SV650 is a fairly easy bike to ride. You get on it, you hit the button, power delivery is very nice, it's very forgiving, it's a very easy ride bike to ride fast. When you start getting up towards that kind of horsepower out of an SV650, it ain't that pleasant to ride anymore. The power is usually contained in a very, very small area. And as fun as that is, you know, the power comes in with a smack and suddenly the back wheel, you know, is planted and your front wheel's in the air. In order to get the most out of it, you have to ride it in this very, very narrow power band. Or increase the torque, right? Or increase the torque. And the only way to really increase the torque is by increasing the capacity. So now the 650 becomes a 900. And because now you've increased the 650 to a 900, now the bottom end suffering and blah, blah, blah. And now your maintenance, your your reliability is going Mm. by the wayside. It's a very, very, very tight rope. Back in the old days, back in the 70s, when I was starting out, these Z1s and GS1000s were in such a low state of tune. Everything you did to them made them go quicker. Everything. Mm. You know, you could could literally, you could take the airbox off and the bike would be five horsepower quicker. It was as simple as that. You put a four into one on it, not only did they sound great, you had another 10 horsepower. It was that easy. Not so easy these days. Bikes are coming out from the factory in quite a high state of tune. Plus, on top of that, they're designed in such a way to meet emissions and noise regulations. So there are a lot of very complicated forces going on with valve overlap, with combustion chamber design, with intake design, they're simply harder to tune. Um, there's a few formulas that can apply. I mean, I, I, a couple of years ago, I did a very nice little port and polish job on Charlie's DRZ400, which is a quite an advanced engine for what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a four-stroke water-cooled single. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's a modern engine. It's got modern valve overlap. It's got modern combustion chamber design but i did a little bit of port and polish just using tried and true formulas that have been around forever um and he swears by it he says mm. it's a lot gruntier in the mid-range which is exactly what i expected um it's a tough science and just because it looks good on paper doesn't necessarily it's going to mean it's going to ride good doesn't sound like something really for your daily ride yeah you've got to be careful now i mean mean, it's like the easy plug and play but what about doing you know the ecu exhaust oh flashing ecu yeah i mean i mean well a lot of ecus in fact i'm going to stick my neck out most ecus for Japanese bikes are made by Mitsubishi. Did you know that? I did not. I think I did, yeah. Yeah, Mitsubishi make a huge amount of ECUs hmm. for bikes. Um, you can often get 
gains from flashing an ECU. Well, what will that do? What will a flashing an ECU do? You may be able to change the advance on the ignition timing. However, if you change the advance, you can get power because the ignition is now further advanced, but it also makes it more subject to pinging Mm -hmm. and pre-detonation and engine damage. So you've got to be careful there. If it's a turbocharged bike flashing the ECU, you may be able to get a little more boost out of the turbo because if it's got a, a... electronically controlled wastegate instead of the wastegate blowing off at 8 psi you might get the wastegate to blow off at 10 or even 12 so it's building that much more boost which will give you more power but that's putting more strain on the engine itself and the turbo um a fuel injected bike you may be able to get a little bit more pressure in the rail from flashing the ECU. But again, that's putting strain on the injectors themselves and the fuel pump, which is expected to deliver more pressure. You know, there's no gain without pain. Because people spend a lot of money on that. seems like out of the box, people love to flash the ECU and, and, you know, throw on a $800 exhaust. Right, exactly. And, you know, ostensibly, it's 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 an easy, cheap way to go quick. I mean, if you've got a Hayabusa, flash the ECU, put an exhaust on it and you're in the 200 mile an hour club mm-hmm. literally it's that easy same with the x14s but there's a price like you said and there is a price there is a price to pay your economy may go to shit well guess what zx14s and higher boosters are not the most economical beasts out of the box but now you're talking about a motorcycle with mpg in the 20s Oof. you know um so so just leave the versus 650 alone well I don't do know. Yeah. I, I mean, I see, I see potential in the versus. Well, I imagine because they flat track that motor. Yes, they do. So I imagine they 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 squeeze a lot out of it. But I'm sure they're breaking it down after every race. Then. Well, the versus six fifty and the ninja six fifty are basically the same mm-hmm. platform. So within reason, any high horsepower conversion for the ninja six fifty should fit the versus because it's basically the same engine mm-hmm. um i think they shaved a little bit of compression off the versus and cut the cams a bit flatter to make it a bit lumpier and talkier but basically that's it so tis anymore i'm kind of like leave it leave it as as it was made and ride it and if you want to go faster get a bigger bike well you know there there is value in that because we uh, you know jim summed it up but you know a couple of couple of weeks ago we went up to alice's yes and you were riding a stock bike yes and i was riding a stock bike and they look great and henry was riding a stock bike Mm -hmm. god we had so much fun Oh, gosh, it was. Yeah, well, and, you know, a couple other things we'll add because we've talked about this. Also, you know, it's a little thing, but, you know, do something for the environment. You know, it's like, you know, I got a big honking catalytic converter on the bottom of the the Suzuki right now and then stock exhaust. But, you know, you start taking that stuff off and it is pollution. It is noise. I mean, Yeah, and I mean, I, I like to think that as we move through the 21st century, I I would like to think that part of the hallmark of being a biker is to tread carefully tread carefully in the environment you're in um 
Well, and another nice thing about keeping things stock is I sold the CRF 250 rally. And one of the first questions the guy asked me, is it stock? I'm like, yep. He's like, great. Yeah, of course. sold it. Yeah, yep. you know, so I haven't monkeyed with anything. And <clears throat> Right. Yeah. Anyway. The stock bikes always sell. Always sell. If yeah, you've got no quantity. Exactly. Yeah. If you've got a clean, unmonkeyed with stock bike, you've got a selling prospect. And if it's got original paint, you know? Mm. Yeah. It's like Rufus. How many times do I park up Rufus and get a crowd around it? It's a bog stock bike, but it's 27 years old now. Like we both still have the little reflectors on the side of the wheel exactly. still, right? On the yeah. on the on the fork, the leg. fork legs. Yeah. yeah, it's it's absolutely stock and this is how unusual it is to see stock bikes these days. Incidentally, talking about Rufus. Mm. I was a very very silly Emma. Um I was pushing Rufus into the garage Mm-mm. and I rubbed the muffler against one of the back turn signals of the Harley. Oh, uh oh. And put put a dent in the muffler. Oh. Oh. However, I was crushed. Mm-hmm. I found a new one. Really? In Athens. Greece, Greece or Georgia? Or Georgia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Greece. Oh wow. Oh. Get out. And I've, I, getting and it should be arriving tomorrow how long have wow is right away you're like i'm getting a new muffler well the thing that is, bike is pristine well i like to keep on top of it and you know something is like oh it's got a dent in the muffler well now you don't care about the scratch in the fairing now you don't care mm. so anything if i if i can afford it and god it was expensive it was um but um it's coming dhl it probably weighs 15 pounds yes it's coming from DHL. If you work for DHL, I apologize for the next statement. I hope they can find my house. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a joke in England. It's like um, it's some guy, he's, um, I think, it was something about his girlfriend and her boyfriend wanting to beat him up. And he said, well, I know I'm safe because he's a DHL driver and he'll never be able to find me. Oh, so, don't jinx your delivery. No, I'm not going to. So I hope it arrives. I hope it arrives. Um, but yeah, you know, stock, there's a lot to be said for stock. Yeah. All the manufacturers, um, but the Japanese manufacturers in, in particular, are extremely clever engineers. And it's a balance they make. And it's a balance they make between economy, reliability, noise. They've got all of these factors that affect the design. And yet, somehow, they come out with this just thrilling package. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, I rode the other day. It ended up on my ramp for a full service. Z900. One of the How new ones? Yeah. Yes. old one. Like no, the, one of the new ones. Like the retro-looking one? Yes. Oh, what color was the tank? Hmm. Caramel? It was, uh, yes. Like caramel orangey kind of? Yeah, the orange and Those brown. beautiful. And that runs like a sewing machine. Oh, my. It's an inline four, Well, right? that's what I wanted to say. Oh. God, what a lovely bike. It was just absolute a darling. Bike. It was a treat to ride. Yeah. You know, I was almost tempted to sell Rufus for it. No, a oh, completely different bike, though. But, but it's just, I tested uh, in Vegas a few years back, right? Oh, we were, God. And I'm um, so surprised how easy and fun and smooth. If you're looking for like a retro bike, like to cruise around, it's great. But it just took me back. What a lovely, absolutely darling thing it was to ride. It just takes so your breath smooth, away. Yeah. Yeah. And I do love the paint jobs, like almost a candy, like yeah. candy orange. Well, no, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's direct 
copy of the original Z1s from 73. And incidentally, um, there were four people back in 73 who were doing the paint jobs on those Z1s. There were four different uh, paint shops in, in um, Tokyo that were doing... Really? And they're all recognized by the Z1 Owners Club, and they're all just that little bit different. Hmm. How interesting. Yeah, and wow. it depended on which paint shop it went to. God, all about the paint, because wasn't that when they were dipping those Honda paints, the Dragon? Oh, God, the Dragons, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, and that was that was right around the same yeah, time. Early, mid-70s? Yeah, early 70s. It was a wild was, time. <laughs> it was a wild time. It was a wild time. Um, you look like you're ready to. Well, uh, you point. What? Who? Yo tengo una más. Jim has another one. Yeah, go I, on. Jim. I translated that Miha, from the Spanish. All right. Uh, first, come on. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is from Dan. Hey, Dan. Dan O. Yes. New contact form message for motorcycle. Oh, I guess that's the thing. Okay. Message first. Love the show and feel like a distant misfit. Right on. In a recent podcast, Miss Emma, he believes, disparaged crimp connectors. Ooh, we're talking about that with your wiring harness today. Yes. Uh, crimp connectors, blah, 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 uh, because under vibration, they can fail. Yes, they can. What is the best proper electrical connector for motorcycles? I've been using self-soldering butt type. Oh, I like those. Oh, those are the ones you kind of with a lighter little heat yeah, yeah, gun yeah, yeah, and yeah. melt. Those are kind of cool. No, yeah. those are great. Uh, connectors and wondering if I made an error. What would Miss Emma do? Thank you for helping... All of us out, Dan. Oh, I think I'd sit in the corner and have a little cry. <laughs> I think that's exactly what I or or a piece of crumbly cake and eat some Mexican jelly gummy bears. Yes, I'd have a nice cup gummy of tea. Frogs. I'd have some a nice cup of tea and some crumb cake. Um, no, crimp connectors are definitely getting better, and there's ways and means of doing crimp connectors. Um, but crimp connectors are always. Subject to vibration, subject to moisture, and subject to failure. Um, I no, I like those. The the it's like a I've tube. Used them, yeah. It's a plastic tube with solder inside, and you kind of butt the wires in, and you heat the thing up, and the solder melts, and it all becomes one. It's Listen, neat. anything involving solder, or as we say in England, solder, 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 <laughs> anything involving uh, solder is okay with me. Mm-hmm. Because it's a proper connection. The moisture can't get in. The solder is chemically, chemically, I tell you, <laughs> attached to the copper wire or the aluminium wire. And it forms one piece. And there's very, very little chance, as long as you do a proper soldered connection, soldered connection, soldered. You, want, you don't want the dreaded dry joint. And a dry joint... Is not something you do Corrosive. in the hookah house. Well, I mean, do you use the little grease, the little electrical grease for those? Oh, I things? like those, yeah. yeah no, I like, like those. Idea. Yeah. The um um Oh. Oh bloody hell. You know what? I'm in so much trouble because oh. Liza always says, Turn the ringer down on your phone and here am I. <laughs> I'm phoning. Is it Liza? No, I think it's probably my brother. Yeah, it mm. is. Cheers. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna swipe up to decline. I know what, he's in a hotel. Mm. So um but you, but though I tell you, those connectors he described with the solder in them already. No, I, they're brilliant. I, they seem to work pretty good. They're easy to use. Yes. Huh. No, they're absolutely superb. So no, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing, Dan. You know. And if if you ever doubt yourself, just sit in the corner, have a nice cup of tea, and a little cry, and a piece of crumbly cake, and you'll <laughs> feel a lot better. <laughs> 
I got Johnny! One, one last one. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody done now. Come on, spit it, go John. What's the matter with you? Cat got your tongue. This is Dustin from beautiful British Columbia, Canada. It is beautiful. Miss Emma. Hello, darling. Okay, this is. I'm I'm expecting you to come in here, Jim. Okay. Miss Emma, tell me why. Tell me why. Tell me why. Oh, that was bad. Uh, (laughs) The street triple gets so much love, and the speed triple is mostly forgotten. I'm always hearing about how great the street triple is for a, for a street and track bike, but nobody's talking about the big triple. More power, more better. And no. P.S. My up-to-butt bike is the Wheelie Happy Super Duke 1290. We call those stupid ukes. I saw one of those today, as a matter of fact. I, I was saw walking down here. I shall tell you why. Street triple, nimble, willing, fast, Speed Triple is a big old bruiser. Mm. You're talking about 575 cc's versus 1,050 cc's. Mm. Now, how can 575 cc's be... 575 or 675? 675, Mm. forgive me. How How can 675 or 765, if you're talking about the new one, Mm -hmm. be better... Than 1050. Well, it's not necessarily better, but it's a different experience. It's like comparing a Kawasaki 636 with a ZX14. Hmm. One's a big old bruiser that's capable of going very, very fast, and one's a smaller, more agile little scrapper that's capable of going very, very fast. I don't want to alienate Triumph owners here because I know there are a lot of people who listen to this show who love those big triples. And I'm one of them Mm -hmm. because it's one of the greatest engines in motorcycling. My 800 engine is tremendous. Well, that 800 engine has got far more in common with the 675 and the 765 than the big ones, the 1050s. Yep. But those 1050s, oh my God, those things are... Just talk off the charts, power off the charts, just a monster. But therein lies the problem. It is a monster. Mm. Whereas, you know, the 675, it's cute and it's nice and you can ride it quick. What are they like in the uh, Tigers? Do they detune them a little bit for the for the uh, adventure ride? A little. Oh, for the Exploder, for the big ones. Yeah. Uh, no. They don't detune them. No. Oh wow. No, they're they're big power bikes, mm. and of course the twelve hundreds and you know, yeah. No, they're monsters, and it really is. It really it really boils down to that. And don't forget the um the um the street triple is a much younger engine. Mm. The stru- the speed triple dates back. I mean, if you ignore. The starter modification because they moved the starter clutch on the original ones. The starter clutch lived above the transmission, and if the starter clutch went out, you had to split the cases Oof. to replace the starter clutch, and it was quite a common job. Mm-hmm. So they moved it to the outside, and that was a big mod. If you ignore that, that engine you can date back to the mid nineties, hmm. so it's really a thirty-year-old engine. Whereas this 
street triple, much younger engines, date, dating back to the early 2000s. So, um, yeah, it's just more money. You know, it's it's horses for courses. There are there are some people who would only ride a big block Triumph, and there are other people who are like, nah, the big blocks are just too brutal. Hmm. You know, um, exactly. You know, um, so there you go. There you have it. There you have it. We're caught up on they're both. They're both great bikes. So, I mean, look, you've been listening to this nonsense for an hour and a half. Tra-la-la. Yeah. And the good news is this is going to be the last podcast in the foreseeable future that's going to have an absence of Liza. You know, I'm looking at this computer screen. And there, look, there's Liza's smiling face. Look at that. <laughs> good hair. Yeah, no, Liza's got great hair. I mean, well, she should be back with stories galore, that's for sure. So no looking doubt. forward to all the... Yeah, this, However... <laughs> looking forward to that. Bagel, we are going to revisit um, this thing about the uh, the Honda Passport and Cub because it yep. is a story worth telling and there's only one person who's capable of telling it, and that's you. <laughs> no, thank you. You know, yeah, so, so hopefully we will to. have a restored internet connection. Um do you want me to have words with the authorities in Oregon? Uh, well, I don't. I don't. I think it's on our side. Do you? Yeah. Do you want? Do you want me to see the manager? Yes. I can go full but, Karen. There you go. Talked about that that bang bong computer. <laughs> bang bong. <laughs> Seven year old bang bong computer. Yes. Uh, no, I think Liza. I'm actually, teasing Liza. I'm yes. teasing. No, I think Liza bought the computer from Banggood. <laughs> Oh, no. She got it on Alibaba. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> it's a knockoff of a knockoff. It is. It's a knockoff. Oh, God. Uh, we're kidding. She gets so mad when I give her a hard time about that. Yeah, she doesn't it's like a, that it's very a, much. A, no. It's a Niepner computer. A Niepner. Yeah, comrade. Niepner. Uh, so, um, thank you all for bearing with us while Liza's away. You know, it's, it, it always feels a little like a captainless ship when she's gone, but, you know, we hold things together. I think you captained very well. Well, thank you, darling. I do. No, I try. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's, it's with the exception of Jim, yeah. you know, um, I've, I've been coming here one of the longest now, I think. I mean, Doug... You, you have logged more hours here, I would say. Yeah, so after, I was going to say, I mean, Liza, Doug goes you. back to the very beginning, but he kind of has gone away a few times. But, you know, you've, got to, you've really got to put the hours in. I mean, running the garage mm-hmm. and doing the podcast. It's a long day. It's mm-hmm. a long day, and you have to put the hours in. You really do. It is a commitment. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but I'm yeah. happy to do it. Yeah, I never failed it. I'm just amazed by the work that Liza does. It's just amazing. I mean, yeah, after doing this for three weeks, I'm like, I don't know how she keeps up with it all. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> well, she finds time somehow. And we got yeah. December fastly, fastly approaching. Yeah, the 500. 500 Club. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's going to be a good one. Oh, yeah. It really is. Yep. So um, I think that's it. Once again, thank you all. I would like to say thank you for everyone who listens to our yep. humble podcast. And as always, a particular thank to our patreon subscribers best people in the world oh by far Mm -hmm. they're up on that pedestal watching the rest of the world go by but i mean it's quite simple no patreon subscribers no misfits yep and potentially no recycle garage so you really go even if you think it's only five bucks a month or whatever oh believe me you make a huge difference so thank you from the heart of my bottom sorry bottom of my heart (laughs) and um Anything you would like to add, Bagel? 
And he just froze again. And he just froze again. <laughs> so, on, on, <laughs> right on, on that, cue. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> no, oh, I, we got you. Who that I, one? I think on on that note, Bagel, ensure you have a good breakfast <laughs> next time. I'm very worried about <laughs> your nutrition. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is Emma saying good night. Stumpy John. Thank you, Jim. Mm, bagel. And we are out of here. Hey, oh, goodness. Cool. <laughs> 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 it's-